Hello and welcome to another episode of Ran. We booked it. Today we are doing our second episode of Can You Convince Me? Which is where we each get <laughs> up on our little soapbox and uh, rant and rave about a book that we've read that we want the other host to listen to. <laughs> Or, or, I guess, read. <laughs> or just anyone, please. Sometimes. Yeah, anyone. anyone please. <laughs> uh, but before we get into it, if you were to tell us the, about this book that we convinced you to read or not, you would do that over on our Instagram. We booked it because <laughs> that's the only thing we have for communication purposes. But yeah, fun stuff over there. Exactly. Fun stuff. All right. Do you want to start? I think start, I started last time. To start. So it is your turn. Okay. All right. Well, I have a little mini recap. Um, last time I argued for Legendborn and Morgan read I it. I did. And she argued for the Queen's Thief and yes. I read it. So episode okay. one was quite successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wanted to say, I feel like we play many rounds of this kind of like game, I call it a game, where we're trying to argue for what we've read and convince someone else to read it. I feel like we play this every week when we call each other and we're updating each other on what we're reading before we get started with recording a podcast episode. Yeah. (laughs) Um... So I just, I just thought that was really funny. Um, and yeah, okay. So, when I was preparing for this episode, I was afraid that I peaked because there was nothing quite like Legendborn that I was personally convinced that you would enjoy. So, after much debate... And going through everything that I've read recently and trying to figure out what, trying to get into your head, Morgan, what do I think you would like? (laughs) Um, I have decided to argue for a good girl's guide to murder at the risk of sounding like a book talk girly. (laughs) Um, And also because I recently finished the trilogy and I just... I need to talk about this with someone. (laughs) Alright. So, are you ready for this? Am I ready for this? (laughs) I think think you're ready for this. Um, So, A Good Girl's Guide to Murder is the first installment in the trilogy by Holly Jackson. And it is what I think is a compelling and engaging mystery novel that offers a thrilling and unique reading experience. And so the arguments I would like to present include first, I would like to call to the stand captivating I'm so plot. glad you just said that because I was thinking this sounds like we're in a murder trial. <laughs> or like some sort of court <laughs> right. proceeding. I, I am, yeah, I'm stalking around the courtroom right now. Um, hands behind my back. and I call to the stand captivating plot so this book follows 
a gripping murder mystery plot that keeps you, the reader, and the characters on edge. It follows the protagonist. Her name is Pippa Fitzamobi, and she is a rising senior in college who decides to take on the challenge of solving an old murder case that was considered to be closed as her senior capstone project. Um, and along the way, she finds out that um, there are some people who don't want her to figure out what happened. So, let's kind of give you some context of the murder that she is trying to solve. Several years ago, um, back when she's like 10, 11, 12, like preteen age, it is believed that Andy Bell, who was a high school student at the time, was murdered by her boyfriend, Sal Singh who then committed suicide. There are some small details and stories from Sal's own friends that led the authorities to close the case. However, Pippa kind of, she knew of Andy and met Sal um, a couple times when she was younger and she's convinced this isn't the full story. She doesn't see how Sal could have killed Andy and taken his own life. So, that's kind of like what she's going for. Next, I call to the stand. <laughs> well-developed characters. The characters in this book are very well-written and multi-dimensional. And first, I would like to argue for Pippa Fitz Imobi herself. Wow, I can't talk today. Pippa Fitzamobi. I think you're doing great with that last name. main character. I, I don't think, I don't know if I <laughs> can do that one. <laughs> I might just call her Pippa from now on. <laughs> Fair enough. So, <laughs> as the story develops, we see Pippa become more and more obsessed with solving this murder case. And what I love about Pippa is that she is curious and intelligent. Like, not so far beyond, like, what you think a high school senior has the capability of, like, understanding about the world. She's very realistic. And she just has this drive to solve the mystery, which, as she goes through it, she's demonstrating that she's clearly very good at um, analyzing things and has this determination to uncover the truth. Which also leads into her determination. She's very persistent and despite a lot of the challenges and risks associated with looking through the details of this old murder case, she remains committed to finding the real story behind Andy Bell's death. She gets threats from people, she gets notes in her locker, and um, she just keeps going. Almost, almost to a fault. She's also very empathetic, particularly when she's talking to people who were in Andy's life and um, Sal Singh's family. Um, so all the victims and families that were 
impacted by what happened to Andy and Sal. She doesn't push them too far, which I think that's a good balance that you need to have when you're looking into something like this. Of being being empathetic and being determined, but not letting your determination make you a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she also really values her friendships. Um, her best friend is Cara Lauren. And she is always there for her friend, even when this murder case seems to be taking over her life. And just becomes everything she thinks about. And lastly, she has a lot of courage because at, at first she's just like kind of digging into things and she asks the police for old files and um, interviews old suspects. But as, thing, as things develop in the story, she's facing obstacles and dangers, but she just keeps going. Not something that I could do. <laughs> um, her character flaws. She is quite stubborn. Like I said. Um, her deter She's determined almost to a fault. Um, when, when she receives these threats. She's like, well, well, I'm in too deep now. So I might as well just keep going. She can also be a little impulsive. Which leads her to make decisions that maybe she doesn't fully consider what the consequences are. She kind of just sees what's happening in the moment and goes for it. Um, she also takes a lot of risks in order to uncover the truth. And while this can highlight that she's very brave, it's also kind of reckless at times. And then lastly, she can overcommit herself. She's taking on this murder case and trying to balance like being a full-time high school student and you know being with her family, being with her friends. So she has to balance that with you know just balance everything that's going on in her life. <sighs> Next I would like to call to the stand Andy Bell who is our murder victim. It is initially believed that she was murdered by her boyfriend, Sal Singh. Um, so Andy's death is like the center of this mystery. But as Pippa finds out more and digs into Andy's life, we learn more about Andy. And she wasn't this sweet, innocent girl who just happened to be part of a tragedy. She actually has some dark secrets that Pippa uncovers. Um, and it actually ties into the second and third book in the series as well. So that's a pretty cool touch. We also have Ravi Singh, who is Sal's younger brother. Um, and Pippa actually interviews him as like one of the first people um, to kind of kick off this case she's trying to figure out and through that he becomes involved in the vest in the investigation and they just have this like 
witty dynamic um, that it brings a little bit more lightness to the story. <laughs> and they also just work really well together. Like, Ravi and Pippa are, like, very good detectives for being a senior in high school and a recently graduated high schooler. <laughs> and we also have Kara, who is Pippa's best friend. And their friendship is integral to the narrative and Kara supports Pippa in her quest even when Pippa has some moments where it seems like maybe Kara's put on the back burner in order to figure out what's going on. I have a few more points and then... <laughs> um, yeah, so... I really enjoyed the narrative style of this book. Um, it has this like mixed media format where there are interviews and transcripts and Pippa's own notes and like visually reading the book and also listening to it. It, it just adds that extra interest like you're actually working with Pippa to figure out what is going on and how can we put all these clues together? So this is a very dynamic reading experience. The book also provides like this subtle social commentary. It explores these themes of like what are the dynamics that are within this small town and how are how do stereotypes play into character relationships and what is the impact of media on public perception so you know dipping into these different themes it's it's very very rich and it's not just like ah, la, la, i'm pippa and i'm gonna go solve a murder it's it's like it feels real like it feels like a real story with real people and I really appreciate that um, I also read this book so fast it's a page turner for sure because I wanted to know like how how is this gonna play out how is Pippa gonna figure it out and I need to know I needed to know the truth yeah and I'm not the only one who has given this book lots of positive reviews. Like I said, it's a book talk recommendation. Um, I think it's won a few awards. I'd have to look it up. But it's very good. So, overall, my case for A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, I would say it's a masterfully crafted mystery. We have some suspense, we have some relatable characters, and um, there's like the social commentary that feeds into that, like I said, so I, I just find this book very entertaining and enjoyable. And I rest my case. <laughs> I like the idea of like the mixed media kind of thing with having interviews in there, having mm -hmm. little notes in there. I like I like the idea of that. Like so like when you read the book, like is it a different kind of format? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I do like that stuff. 
I like that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I do have one thing to say, uh, and this came up, and I like the idea of, like, this commentary on stuff, because I love I love that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I like Mm -hmm. to look beyond and outside of things to the best of my ability. Um, I will say, as, as, uh, you know, the Pippa... Pippa? Pippin? Pippa. Pippa, Pippa. yeah. Um, as, like, Pippa working with the, you know, the quote-unquote murderer's brother, there's a bit of a conflict of interest for the uh, case, I think. Um, yes. But that that just was like, that's, that's, that's weird. Like, he definitely is going to want to prove his brother's innocence. I believe his brother is innocent, but it's definitely going to add a more emotional note into the case. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. There's my social commentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, Pippa addresses that as well. Because um, we hear this inner dialogue with her of, like, she's like, well, of course he'd say this, and of course um, he'd want that. So, like, what? how much do I let him know about what I know? And she has to navigate that. So, you, you as the reader can decide, did she handle that well, or should she have just cut him out of the investigation altogether? I mean, professionally speaking, he shouldn't be involved. But it does add an interesting note that he is. Mm-hmm. I like that, I like that. Plus, I own the books, and I could let you borrow them. I mean, I was gonna go to the library. <laughs> hey, there you go. I, I, got go that, I got a library card, too. I love the library. I actually... I've got a list of books on my phone... That I specifically think to myself, I'm going to go to the library and get this at some point. Um, it's just that I currently have um, a lot of books for my friends, so I don't need any library books right now. Otherwise, I might have some on here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've just I got my own stuff to read. I got my friend's stuff to read. I got a book in the mailbox that I haven't gotten out yet. It's Emily Wilde's Map to the Otherlands. And... Yes! Um, Heart Song comes out later this year, or this month. Yeah, figure out when. I just got things going on. There's so many books. I am overwhelmed. No, I totally get it. I totally get it. But I'll keep that in mind. I really do like the idea of the mixed media element. <laughs> I love those little touches so much. Yes. No, I agree. They just make everything better. I'll put that I'll put it on my list. Yeah! <laughs> you, you've you convinced me. me. <laughs> I've convinced you Good. to at least Good. remember Good. the title. <laughs> I mean, I still got all that T. Kingfisher stuff I want to do, but so much of it is I know, I know. Uh, in ebook, and I gotta actually download the app and oh. log into my mom's account so I can do that, because I'm not making <laughs> one for myself. Relatable. Also, funny comment, if it's called A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, but she's not the one doing the murdering, is she, in theory then, figuring out how to do a good murder? 
Would detectives not be the best at committing the murderers because they know what what they need to clean up? Yes, absolutely. Hmm. This is the way my and mind that works. That does actually this that does is that's a good point because it comes up in the second and the third books as well. See, that's just that's just me. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. That I was gonna say, you when you said you were trying to dive into my brain, I was like, oh, good luck. <laughs> it is a noble cause, I guess. <laughs> Have fun in there. <laughs> Have fun in there. I don't even want to be in there. Why do you want to be? I know, right? <laughs> Sometimes I don't even want to be in my own brain. Why do you want to be in here? It's only good when I'm reading and busy and can't think about life. I'm joking. <laughs> Oh, but there's a little bit of truth. <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> okay. For my book, uh, I kind of did what you did. I, I didn't do this until yesterday, so I was kind of looking... Actually, I didn't even look at it until, like, Thursday, so I was like, oh, I have to do that! <laughs> So I was trying to do it on Thursday and work. So I was like, what did Rose do? So I know what to do. I didn't read too in-depth. I was just like, brief overview of what I need to get done. Um, but I didn't copy yours exactly, and I'm glad. Because you went a fun route with tying it in. I like that. Um, but basically, so you were talking about I don't know what to do with the after Legendborn. I actually thought I knew what I was going to do for this episode. My original pick was going to be As Long as the Lemon Trees Grow. Because it's a phenomenal book. I think everyone should read it. I want to talk about it with everyone. And I want everyone to feel the pain I felt. Um, but I don't know. I feel like I've talked about that one so much. And what I would have picked after that would have been Firekeeper's Daughter or Warrior Girl on Earth by Angelina Bully for the exact same reasons of I think everyone should read it. It doesn't hurt as much as as long as the lemon trees grow, though. But it still hurts. Um, but I feel like all of those books I have had the opportunity to talk about quite thoroughly and explain my love for them and why I feel they are so important. So... It was because of the opportunity I've had to talk about them previously that I was able to talk about a book that I have wanted to talk about but have not had the opportunity I would like to. And that is A Bright Heart by Kate Chenley. Because I, I picked this book up late last year and I think about it so often. It is, it is lovely. Um, and so, to get into... The, uh, the, the nitty-gritty with it. So, I want to touch on... Uh, this is a book that caught my eye because it has a gorgeous cover. It is beautiful. Like, this isn't, this isn't an author I was seeking out. Like, I think this was her debut uh, novel. So it's like one of those things where it's like, you're just looking in the bookstore and something jumps out to you. So, like, I wasn't looking for this book. This book found me. But now I have a new author I will be looking for because there had better be a second book. 
But anyway, it all starts in chapter one. Where the, our main character, Mingxin, dies. That's where we start. And so the plot, of course, follows Mingxin. The book starts after she dies. Is she a ghost? No. Through magic, she has been brought back in time two years. And in her second attempt at life, she has a few ideas on how things are going to go this time around. So, while I really love the plot of this book, I loved the idea of the main character dying in the first chapter, but it being brought back to... She's not a ghost, or it's not like a, you know, like a flashback to what happened, you know, leading up to the death. It takes her two years back in time so she can write what was wrong and save herself and that she cares for. And I, re I really oh. loved that. And I, that's what pulled me in. But I loved the characters. And I loved their character development. <laughs> I found myself look thinking of this book like, these are such good characters. I love this little bit about it. And I love this little bit. And I just, I loved it. So I split the characters into like two uh, categories, main characters and side characters. Uh, I only put three characters as the main characters, which would be the protagonist, the antagonist, and the love interest. So, protagonist is Mingxin. Lovely. She is a strong woman in terms of mind, as well as knowing when she needs to hone her skills physically, which is something she makes sure to do when she's in her second life. She's like, I'm going to learn how to defend myself this time around. I'm going to learn how to <laughs> swim this time around. You know, that way I don't almost drown. Uh, fun stuff. But, so this is one of the things where Mingxin is in a position within life. Uh, it's also like Asian-based, so if you understand how kind of the hierarchy of that tends to go, she's in a position in life where um, she's currently living with her mother and her uncle, uh, who is like high up in terms of palace. So like she has a few op more opportunities than one normally would have to go to the palace and interact with anyone of the royal sort. And so mm. when navigating like the palace drama and all that, she's really good at it, which I think is really cool because she often talks about herself in relation to one character being like, oh, well, I was used for my like my strategic mind i was a pawn to them and so it's really nice to not just hear that be said but to see it in action throughout the book okay. so after her first life she's definitely a bit jaded especially towards men that's understandable considering what she's been through let's just say this time around she's like i'm not doing the love thing that was dumb i got played so she's upset but I think one of the best things is that you see her change because there's this she tells you throughout the book of how she was in her in the first round and then like you can see there's a very big change because obviously she's very jaded after everything but it as you go through the book she continues to change and become less jaded after everything that's happened and I really like that especially like, she's always constantly planning, uh, like, all these plots in her head, making sure, you know, she's in a good position to defend herself and the people she cares about. 
But then, like, these people that she doesn't think she'll come to care for, like, she comes to care for and make friends with. And she's like, well, this wasn't part of the plan, but now I have more things to do. Um, and I, I just love it. And <laughs> I will say, you mentioned character flaws. I'm, so I was like, ooh, if we're talking character flaws, this girl pushes the main antagonist to the edge. Like emotionally and politically and then she proceeds to shove him off of the edge and there was even a point in the book where I'm like maybe maybe stop putting salt in the wound and kicking him while he's down I don't think that's gonna end well for you because an animal pushed into a corner is not a good not a good place for anyone to be and I was thinking that and I guess who was right <laughs> me I was right but she she went for that character and like I love to see it but I'm also in my head and a lot like logically thinking I was like that's not the best idea but I like it yeah <laughs> yeah just absolutely murder any chance he has I understand it's funny to watch it couldn't be me the main antagonist though we move on is uh, Ren so he, I have nothing nice to say about him. He is a slimy and sneaky person who wants to be emperor more than anything. He is one of the emperor's four sons. Um, and the emperor is preparing to like kind of step down so all of them are vying to be the one he chooses as his heir. Uh, and Ren is the one who... No. If... If the, the youngest one just lets his mom do everything for him. The second, no, the oldest one, I believe, is just kind of there in this book. Then you have uh, Jie, I think his name is pronounced. And he's the favorite. He's noble, high and mighty. And then like, there's Ren in there. And Ren's like, I'm going to get what I want through, you know, cheating, lying, you know, killing, stealing, like, whatever I need to do to undermine anyone else and to make sure that I have the best shot and no one else has any, I'll do it. Um, and of course, Mingxin knows this in the second life, and so she makes sure that any opportunity he had in the first life, he has zero shot at now. And that's what's funny. <laughs> So yeah, and he doesn't even remember Ming Shen. So it's funny and annoying to watch him interact with Ming Shen because he does the exact same thing he did the first time around, which was try and get her on his side by pretending to be romantically interested in her. Because Ren is the character who ordered her death and who played her by pretending to actually like her and saying he would marry her. So Ren is the reason she does not like guys anymore. She's like, nope, we're not doing the love thing anymore because she thought Ren loved her and she loved Ren and the second he got power, he was like, in the dungeons and dead. So, mm. yeah. Next, I know. Next is the one brother, though, um, Jaya. He's the favorite. 
he is the love interest. And so they're brothers, of course, they're half brothers. But what I think it's it's kind of a funny thing where uh, Mingxin is like, I'm not doing love anymore. And then she falls in love with her ex's brother, but her ex doesn't know he's her ex. <laughs> yep. That's such a good way to put it. <laughs> this is the only way to put it. <laughs> but he's introduced to Mingxin as kind of like this arrogant, high and mighty, you know, he's kind of haunty. He's like, I do things the right way. And it, it kind of leads, like, it's good, like, it's like, okay, he's not trying to kill his brothers. That's cool. But it's also, he's like, oh, I do it the right way. So it's kind of like, uh, maybe change your tone. Um, <laughs> but he turns, it like, it turns out, like, first impressions are bad. He's actually genuinely someone that is very kind and caring and protective. Um, he just wants to do things the right way. He's very, he's just very like in the right in a sense, but it's almost like a, like where he's like, I'll take the high road. Mingxin is like, he doesn't know I took the low road for him. Um, so they balance each other out. Um, but one thing about those is, um, he, he really loves Mingxin. Like, he is just smitten. So it's adorable. Because Mingxin, of course, is very protective of herself and her heart. And he's over here just throwing his heart to her. <laughs> so sweet. Um, he constantly wants to protect her, make sure she and those she cares for is okay. He, he I swear, he'd spend every second with her if he could. Um, and he genuinely values her as a person, not just a pawn, and not just because her strategic mind is helpful to him and his cause. He genuinely likes her outside of that. Um, and so it's one of those things where he's, the arrogance puts people off where they're like, uh, I don't know about you. But he's actually like a decent guy who just doesn't know how to be down to earth. You, you, you will see that with another character with him. Uh, now, the side characters, I split into a few groups. Uh, within the side characters, I've put... Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the first group is the family, which includes uh, Mingxin's mother, Han Hui and Han Fei, or Fei, who are twins, a brother and sister, and then Mai and Ning. So, Mai and Ning are maids of Mingxin's household. They have been for a very long time. And so, um, one thing that Mingxin is very adamant about is in the second time round, I'm not getting separated from anyone. I'm keeping the people I want to keep close, close, and I'm going to make sure they're protected and we're all going to be okay and we're going to stand together as a unit kind of thing. What? But of course, she's also like, I will stand in front of the unit so that way no one gets hurt. Um, and so, Maya and Ning are like, uh, just two maids who've been in the household, but they've become pretty good friends, and they will tease Mingxin a lot. Especially about the prince, Jie. 
Jaya or whatever. I feel bad. I can't pronounce it. I couldn't when I read the book either. I kept changing the pronunciation in my head. Like I hope it's right. I was just thinking you did. You were doing such a. <laughs> oh, good thank job. you. I am so unsure. That's fair. Then you have the Han twins, who are basically hired security guards, um, who kind of they weren't in. They just kind of got like separated and from the family and stuff like that and so they couldn't help in that first time around but Mingxin is like no 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 we're going to work together now you're staying with us um and uh Mingxin spends a lot of time with Faye and they become such good friends and Faye helps her learn how to like use a knife um and it's just like these people where Mingxin's mother like is tech is family but, like, these other people aren't, but Mingxin makes them family, and they act like family, and they're all there for each other, and they tease each other, and they they mess with each other, but they love each other, and they would, they always want to make sure the other's okay. And so I really like that. I get, I'll talk more about that later, because very important. Within the antagonist of the side characters, uh, it's basically Ming the, the rest of Mingxian's family that's in the book. So uh, Mingxian's father is dead, had a very successful business um, that his brothers were trying to take. So if uh, Mingxian and her mother were staying with uh, Mingxian's maternal uncle. So this is her mother's brother. Uh, and he helped them defend the family business. However, he's a bad person. So they're, the way it's set up, if there's another book, they are going to play a bigger role than just, you know, like these side antagonists uh, because they're terrible. So Aelin and Uncle Yi are the biggest threats out of these, these three characters because it's Uncle Yi, uh, Bo, and Aelin. And Aelin and Uncle Yi are the biggest threats. Um, because Uncle Yi is not above murder. And therefore, Aelin isn't either. Bo is just there. He's honestly kind of useless. <laughs> but yeah, so they are not... They, they're not unwilling to murder or to have it done. Because they have done it before. And so... Uh, Mingxin just like it's kind of funny because of course in her second time round no one else is aware you know it's it's like playing out for the first time for all of them again whereas Mingxin knows so everyone tries to be nice to her and she's like oh yeah thanks no <laughs> and so everyone's like what why are you acting uh -huh. like that like why do I feel like you're not being honest or like why do I feel like you're trying to get away from me? Why are you, you know, you're not staying within my house so I can keep my clutches on you and make your mother feel indebted to me and make her pay for all the expensive things so I don't have to. Just bad people. And they're side antagonists, but the, at the end of the book, Uncle Yi decides to hold on. Just remember the fact that you've, like, 
thrown your family aside, you know? Like, you've betrayed us. I was like, hold on, sir. The worst thing that Mingxin did to you was make sure you couldn't kill her mother and take the family business so you could have more money. That's the worst thing she did to you in this book. Where are you getting all high and mighty and betrayed? But that's just the fragile, fragile ego of a man, I'm sure. <laughs> and the last bit of side characters, I put them in the royal group. It consists of Princess Yunli, who is the Emperor's only daughter and is his only child with the Empress. The others are all from concubines. And then Yao, who is just a GS friend. He's just there. He, he's there to kind of counterbalance as well, though, like before Mingxin, with the Jie acting kind of high and mighty and Yao being like, I promise he's chill. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Princess Yunli is actually incredibly important to the plot. Um, but like, so she's kind of like this weird gray area where like she's very important to the plot, but she's not what you would call a main character. But still, she's she's awesome. Mm -hmm. She's awesome. Her uh, and Mingxin actually become really good friends, and they spend a lot of time talking together. Um, yeah, but we move on. That's the characters. We move on to why should you read this. And my last point is actually, I'm going to use as my first point. Uh, Rose, you recently dipped your toes into the Asian-inspired uh, fantasy. And yeah. so, I give you another way to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Here's another one. If you want more, here's another one. It's a good one. It's not... <laughs> Maybe, maybe, I was going to say, it's not so overwhelming, but I maybe am not the best judge of what's overwhelming when it comes to a genre I'm fairly familiar with at this point. It could be more overwhelming. It's not got the usual um, mythology to it that I find a lot of Chinese-inspired uh, books have, um, where I feel like I... I feel like at at my point, I'm like, I've heard a lot of these stories a lot, but this one didn't have that. So it's kind of a fresh experience, even for me. Mm, yes. Okay. I will say, if you the, the cover is gorgeous. You take the cover off, it is a vivid red, and you open the book, and there is a beautiful light blue for the end pages. It is the contrast, the colors... They're very pretty. But anyway, I move on to my first point now, which is, Rose, I know you like romance. So let me, let oh, me yeah. tell you about the romance in this book. Because I loved the romance in this book. I thought it was phenomenal. I will say, third ad breakup. So. Not perfect. But it is a romance where he falls fast and harder. Which, which is the good stuff. <laughs> it's the good stuff. But I know it's not all just romance for you, Rose. So, I will talk about 
The strong women. <laughs> yes, I knew, I knew. Um, because I've, I've talked about Ming Shen being a character who um, learns how to stand on her own with a lot of things. Not just strategically and with her quick wit, but also like learning physically how to defend herself. Um, but this book also has some of the best friendships between women, with Ming Shin and Fei forming this awesome bond where they're Fei's the bodyguard, but Ming Shin wants to defend Fei, and Fei kind of serves as well as like an older sister kind of thing with teaching her how to defend herself and just always being there for her and looking out for her. Like, where Ming Shin goes, Fei goes. They're inseparable in part because of like the bodyguard relationship but also just in part because there is so much trust between these two like Ming Shin trust mm -hmm. Fei it's, it's really a sweet development from when you compare it with what happened in the first uh, go around but yeah another Ming Shin and Princess Yun Li. I I love that friendship so much because it doesn't start out as much, but then like they just they build these opportunities to like get to know each other and they're constantly playing like this board game together, like a strategic one though. Um I'm sure it's based off of an actual board game, but I cannot think of it. And they're constantly playing that together, and Yu Li is getting better at it, whereas Ming Shin knows how to play it pretty well. So it, it, and during that game, they have like, they just talk about like what's happening and have these really good like discussions, whether it's about, you know, the political state of what's currently happening and what's happening with these people that I'll talk about more in a moment. You know, like where what's happening with them? Why are they here? And also. So, my brother clearly very much likes you. <laughs> it's so... They have such a nice relationship to watch develop. And specifically with these three uh, female characters, I think they could take over the world. I think they could... Oh, I think yeah. they could take over the world. A princess who knows what the heck's happening. Ming Shin, who is just absolutely willing to uh, go, like, learn what she needs to do so she can help uh, protect those she cares for. And then Faye, who's like, I will stab you if you come near them. They, they could take over the world together and they just bring out the best in each other with... They never... There's never a mean thing thought or said about the others. Like, it's always like... Whereas, like, Ming Shin goes into some of these things with a this mindset of, I, like they can help me get to a position I want to be in, and yet it turns into, well, here's another person I'm going to care about, and... But it's just such a nice, like, they constantly are building each other up and bringing out the best in, it, in each other, and I love it so much. It is wonderful. Uh, going back to something I was saying with the characters, with the maids and the bodyguards and, like kind of the uh, breaking down of the typical social rules that would happen between those groups with the bodyguards, the maids, and like the family that's being served. 
it's the found family that happens because Ming Shin created such a big change. She's like, these people got taken away from us last time. And I want to make sure that doesn't happen. And so in doing so, she builds this really strong uh, group of people. And which just becomes into like, they, they tease each other. Ming Shen gets teased so often about the prince showing up all the time. <laughs> they're like, guess who's here? Or, you know, like, they're just, they tease her. Which I just, I love it because it shows the familiarity that they have with each other. And I just, I really like it. Because it's, it's a different kind of found family, but it's, it's like a softer version. It's not like, you know, the found family of like, all of these orphans, they've been abused and the world has, you know, stepped over them and ground them into the dirt. But here they stand together with each other, their true family. Whereas this is like a much softer version of like, they're just growing closer due to more time and energy spent on the relationships between them. Right. And that's, it's very nice. It's very nice. And my last thing is returning to the plot. Because I feel I've talked up the characters a lot. I've talked about the romance. It's one of my favorite romances. It's so sweet. Um, and the relationships that I love. But going back to the plot, because we know that Mingxin dies and she goes back in time two years. Um, but I haven't explained much beyond that. There are certain things that happen in the past life, such as Mingxin's mother drowns very suspiciously. Um, like there are things that Mingxin doesn't get to experience, like there's the hunt, which Mingxin doesn't go on because Ren doesn't want her to come. And you later find out it's probably because Ren was also with her cousin, Aelin. Mm. So, like, there's certain things where, like, Mingxin was very much isolated. And so she knows what she's going to do. She's going to make sure her mother doesn't drown by making sure that she moves out of her uncle's house. She's going to solidify herself in the court so that way she can get the emperor on her side to protect her family business so that she doesn't have to defend, uh, depend on her uncle to keep it safe for her, for, for her and her mom. So she has these things in plan that she's very much going to do. And she is determined to get them done. But because things happen differently, and because of some magic, there are things that she cannot account for. Such as these people showing up essentially from like another country and other people they show up and are like hey they're suddenly up in the court talking with the emperor and saying all these things and so it's very much like you weren't here the first time why are you here now especially because these people are known to have magic so it's one of those things where it's like magic brought me back and now magical people are here. And especially when they sometimes take an interest in Mingxin, she's like, I don't know what's happening. I just, I really like the devi- like, what deviates from what she expects. She gets to go on the hunt with, uh, with J.A. or J.A. this time. 
because he invites her. So she gets to know what actually happened at the hunt. She's like, this thing happened that I remember Ren telling me about that, like, destroyed J.R.'s chance of, like, becoming the chosen heir. So when something happened, she's like, actually, um, I don't think you should do that because she just has this notion that something bad happened last time. And so there's, like, there's stuff she can't account for. Like, J.R.'s mother hates her. Hates her. Because of her, like, status. But I just... I really like it. Because as much as Ming Shen can make the right choices this time around. Because she knows what's going to happen. There are still things that are popping up and creating new obstacles that she has to work around. With what she knows and sometimes just based completely on what's happening. Especially when this prince keeps messing with her uh, and then they're just constantly together because they're adorable together. That is... That is my argument for A Bright Heart by Kate Chenley. Because... I love the book, and I need more people to read it, um, so that way I can make sure there's going to be a second book. It ended on a, it, it ended with a good ending for a series as well, at least a duology. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it it sounds pretty good. Yeah. It's not too long either. It's like maybe around four hundred pages. I mean, I, I've marked it on Goodreads to read it. Yes. So. <laughs> it's a good one. No, yeah, I, I love how it sounds. And you're right, like, it would be dipping my toe into uh <laughs> And, like, you know how you said, like, Good Girl's Guide to Murder, like, has these moments to lighten it up? There yeah. are moments like that in A Bright Heart as well. It's not too heavy. I love that. <laughs> I think the bright colors help. That's just me thinking of the cover, yeah. though. It's so bright and colorful. <laughs> and I didn't spoil anything major. I know, that's the hardest part. <laughs> it is. I can only vaguely mention magic. I can't talk about anything that happens with it. Exactly, yeah. Or that third act breakup. It's it's got like a thing to it. Like I've seen this kind of th- I've I've seen it before in, in another book at least once. But like I I don't know. It's like a, it's like a breakup, like air quotes, but it's also kind of like a breakup. Like she broke his heart. It's good stuff. That's all I'm saying. He's got the romance. It's got the strong female characters. Literally everything that I want. So. Mm-hmm. That sounds incredible. <laughs> but I think the way the book does it as well, I can't properly um, 
like voice it but like the book does a really good job of peppering in like what happened the first time around compared with what's happening this time around and how like she's changing things it's it's hard to explain a bit when it's like what's currently happening with like how she's preventing what happened the first time around without spoiling it yeah yeah i get that yeah that is that is the end If we convinced you, let us know who it was and what you'll be reading. You will make our yes. days. Yes, please. Um, and thank you for listening to the podcast. Remember to check out the Instagram. That's where you let us know. That's where you make our day the best day ever. But, but as, as for now, now we, we gotta, gotta book it. <laughs>